Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today. I know God's word is going to bless you. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, and then we're going to jump into today's message. And in Leviticus chapter 23, it talks about the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, that we are very swiftly approaching. And verse 26, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, also the 10th day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. Okay. So the day of atonement is October the 5th. It starts on the evening or sunset of October the 4th, but the primary full day that we all enjoy during the daylight hours is October the 5th. Now it says it shall be a holy convocation or that's a holy gathering for you. You shall afflict your souls. In other words, that was a day of fasting and offer an offering made, made by fire to the Lord. And it goes on to say that you shall do no work on that day for it is the day of atonement. Or as we know from the Hebrew Yom Kippur to make atonement for you before the Lord, your God. So this is the day, the one day out of the year where the sins of the nation of Israel, all of those people would be dealt with through these various uh, procedures that the high priest would have to go through. And then at the conclusion, when everything was done according to God's instructions, then they were good to go for another year. But my friends, we see this in the book of Hebrews and this is Hebrews chapter 10 verse three and four. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Now the blood of these innocent animals could cover sin. What does uh, covering mean? What does the word atone mean? Well, it means to cover up. So if you have sin right here and you put something over it, then God can't see it anymore. In other words, it's being covered with animal blood, but it's still underneath that blood. So somebody needs to come along and fix this, not just temporarily, but permanently. And that's what Jesus did through his perfect sacrifice, not the blood of bulls, goats, or other types of domesticated animals that could be used in these services. But the blood of a human, the only one, the only man that ever uh, lived a life pure with zero sin. Praise the Lord. Known in scripture as the second Adam. The first Adam blew it and released sin into humanity. But the second Adam, Christ Jesus, came to redeem us back. But in order for him to pull off that redemption, he had to get right what the first one messed up. And that was of course, to not fall in sin. So the Lord did it and we are now free. Now on Yom Kippur, we, as we study the feast and as we observe this very, well, it's not technically a feast, although it's tied in with the feast of tabernacles. But as we study it, we see Christ, we see our savior and uh, we see what was portrayed to that very holy day. 
uh, but we see it in perfection in Jesus. Nevertheless, my friends, let's honor the Lord on this day. And the Lord Jesus instructed me supernaturally to share with you that he wants his people to sow a debt freedom seed on Yom Kippur. And he also shared with me that Yom Kippur has always been associated with freedom from debt. Praise God. So Jesus dealt with the biggest problem of all, which was what? Our sin debt. So if he could knock out the sin debt, which he did, trust me, it's much, it's much easier for the Lord to deal with your financial debt. But the Lord, in this hour, there's, there's really two things that he's really bringing revelation to the body of Christ concerning. Number one, purity in morality. Because uh, the world has pretty much thrown any, any level of morality out the window, okay? But for God's people, there's a focus right now on purity in morals, purity in our, you know, our ethics and our morals. But I'm, I'm, there's, there's an emphasis by the Holy Spirit right now on morals, clean living, sexual purity. So, number one, purity in our morals, and number two, purity in our finances. So the Holy Spirit is working right now, and there is an anointing on this day, and I want you to sow your best seed. As you sow that seed, be trusting God for a harvest for God to bring you out, because that's what He told me He would do. He would move on the behalf of His people as they sow, as they obey, and He's going to move to help get you out of debt. I know there's always natural things that you can do, but the Lord is going to do the super on the natural, and there is going to be supernatural debt deliverance. Praise God. And I want to encourage you to honor the Lord and sow your very best seed on that day, October 5th. If you want, you can get it in before then. But if you need a little more time to pull together what the Lord has instructed you to do, then get that in by October the 5th. I am going to be praying. I've already started praying over the giving that's coming in. I know there's others that are going to sow. I'm praying over your giving, and I'm believing with you that the Lord will bring you completely out of financial debt. Praise God, where you owe no man anything but to love him. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God is working. God is working. Now, while you're going to sow your special seed for the Day of Atonement, I want to encourage you to also be faithful in your regular tithes and offerings, because that keeps everything going so that we could run the ministry smoothly. Praise God. Sometimes people get real excited about special offerings, and they should, but we don't want to, you know, uh, do something real strong here, but then uh, neglect what is also a primary responsibility to keep everything flowing smoothly, which is to always honor the Lord with our tithe. So thank you for continuing to honor God with your tithe, and also thank you for sowing the seed, the special offering that the Holy Spirit would direct you to give concerning debt freedom. Now remember, uh, you need to sow towards what you're dealing with. If you, if you look at uh, your various debt, maybe you have a home mortgage, and maybe you have vehicle debt, maybe you add it up, and it's uh, quite easily into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, then a seed needs to be in accordance with something that God can work with to uh, bring you out of that situation. 
So, you know, if you have, let's say, for example, you have $300,000 debt, but you give a $3 offering. Pastor Stephen, here's my $3 offering. Well, you need to give God something to work with. In the scripture, it's called a fire offering. On the Day of Atonement, it was a fire offering. Amen. So, do what the Holy Spirit would direct you to do, and that way the Lord can honor that offering and can multiply it and walk you out of debt woo, in a miraculous way and in a miraculous time frame. Praise God. And you know what? One more thing before I pray for you, debt freedom is not just something where we could uh, have some kind of a badge or some kind of thing that says, praise God, I'm free from debt. That's nice. It's good to be free from debt just for financial health and financial stability. But this, this is for the Lord's purpose. You know, when I wanted to go into the mission field, when I was in my early 20s, I sat down with a full-time missionary from Wycliffe, and he was going to ask me questions to ascertain if I was truly interested in missions. And I truly was, but I'd never guessed what the first question he asked me. But I, he asked me one, the first question. Now, he's got a lot of other questions to follow up. Uh, concerning my walk with God, this, that, and the other. But he really threw me a curveball when he asked me the first question that all endeavoring missionaries must address. The first question was this, Stephen, how much debt do you have? And I thought, whoa, I was like, wow, that, and that totally caught me off guard because I thought he was going to ask me, you know, um, how's your time in, in the word and uh, how long have you been saved and, uh, you know, you know, spiritual type stuff. And honestly, money is extremely spiritual. These things are just as spiritual as living, uh, you know, pure and honoring God with your body and your life. But you know what? We also need purity in our finances. And at that time, at that time, I had $2,000 of debt, and to me, it's, it was like a mountain. <laughs> I actually thought like $2,000 was like, oh, you know, and I, and I, I just told him, oh, I've got $2,000 of debt. And he, he said, hey, you know, that's, that's not that big of a deal, really. But uh, to me at that point, because uh, I was, you know, dealing with all these other issues and stuff like that, uh, trying to figure out my life at that point that, uh, you know, that was a route as far as going into the mission field that God didn't have for me at that time. But, um, you know what? I'm just saying that we want to be debt free, not just for the sake of being debt free. We want to be debt free so that we can be more effective and more free for the Lord. Amen. Our finances are freed up more. We're freed up more. And you know, everything, uh, that would allow us just to be more involved in God's kingdom. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your precious people today. I thank you, O oh God, that uh, your people are covenant practitioners, and they are tithers, systematically tithing on all of their increase. I thank you, Father, they love to sow seed. And I thank you, Father, as uh, they're sowing into the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur offering. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just speak so clearly to them. I know that they can hear from you and that they would obey. And I thank you, Father, you're going to bring them supernaturally out of debt. I just give you praise. I thank you, Father, they can see it already. And we thank you, Father God 
God, that we are working with you and your Holy Spirit, and we are riding on the anointing of your Spirit on this sacred day, which is linked to miracle debt elimination. Now, Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you that you planned these seven feasts, and you actually said they're eternal. So we celebrate you, and we celebrate that they reveal Christ, and we thank you for these divine opportunities to connect with the power of your spirit in Jesus name we pray and we all say amen praise the lord glory to god now we're going to jump into the, to today's message it's called the spirit of prayer and before we start studying this subject let me remind you the best of israel tour is available for your signing up and the dates may 7 through the 17th 20 23. I believe that this could be the trip of a lifetime for you. And all you have to do to register is put down $300. Look, you don't have to pay for the whole tour at once. You can register. That's $300 that gets your name on the roll. And then, you know, you can just pay monthly and pay it down, pay it down, and you'll be ready to go. Hallelujah. By the time we roll around for our trip uh, to get registered, just call 1-800-929-4684. Select option two. Or if you want to uh, do it on the internet, just go to my ministry website and you'll see the Israel tour slider. Okay. Just click on it. Or you could, uh, you could also scan it with your smartphone and your tablet, that little scan thing. It'll pull it right up the full brochure and you can see everything that we have planned for you, the best hotels, the best meals. And we are expecting not only to see all the beautiful sights and enjoy the food and the fellowship, but we're also expecting to encounter the, the presence of the Lord, the Lord there in the Holy land. We go to meet with the Lord. Praise God. Amen. All right. Now, Let's start today in Psalm 109 and let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with that illumination, that it's like we have a flashlight in our hands and let the word be illuminated to the eyes of our understanding so that we can take it and apply it in our lives. Now we thank you, Father. Father, let there be heavy grace on this message because there are so many distractions in the world that would pull uh, in an antagonistic way against your people. So, Father, let there be a release of grace from heaven today upon your people to come into the richness of, and the fullness of what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Psalm 109. And we are going to begin today, as soon as I jump over there, and we're going to start in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Psalm 109 and verse 1. Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause in return for my love. They are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. Now this is very interesting. David is being slandered. He's being lied about. And there is a point in many uh, situations like this where sometimes you can't properly defend yourself. You can't 
tried to respond to every newspaper editorial or article or whatever it might be. And sometimes, you know, in your heart, you want to, you want to say, Hey, that's, that's a total lie. I didn't do that. But you know, you have stuff that would fly around there and David finds himself in a situation like that. Even people that he's been nice to and so forth. So, uh, when these things hit, which are attacks of the enemy, now, of course, it could be that there are things being written or said. Now, if they're true, now this is a different case. <laughs> like if they're writing something in the newspaper and it's actually true, okay, then there needs to be a humility, not a denial. But if, if it's error or it's just slander, like what we're seeing right here, then of course, this is a tremendous motivator to go pray. Uh, but God can use these things that would maybe back us into a corner to where we really do bow the knee and we end up getting over into something that not only makes us numb to the attack, not only protects us from the, the attack, but also just brings us into a place with God that perhaps we wouldn't have discovered without the heat being applied. So David says, in return for my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. Now, I want you, uh, those of you that perhaps would have a Bible in your hand and you're following along, I want you to look at that scripture carefully and notice there's two words there that are, are in italics. Now, as Bible students, what does it mean when you look at your Bible, any Bible for that matter, and you see something in italics? Okay, that means it's not there in the original uh, uh, Hebrew in the Old Testament. Now, if it's in the New Testament, it means if it's in italics, it's not there in the original Greek language. So what has happened is that the translator has just popped a few words in there to help us to get an understanding of what the writer is saying. Because sometimes what is expressed in the Hebrew, when it's literal, that doesn't convey over into the English very well. So they put a few words in there to give us a good understanding. And it does help. He's, uh, he says, but I give myself to prayer. And that, that is accurate to read it like that. But if you were to read it literally in the Hebrew, and we take away those two words that, that are in italics, David actually says, but I prayer. I prayer. And that's, that's incredible. What does that mean? It means he's basically saying, I have become all prayer. He's saying, I'm continually now in prayer. Wow. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when you do move into that place with David having all of these things swirling around him, you move into that type of place through prayer. You do reach a place where those things don't disturb you. And at the same time, you are aware that the threats are still out there, whether they're verbal or even sometimes physical or whatever the case might be. But now that you are really prayed up, you are able to navigate this uh, ocean that's full of icebergs or this field that is full of landmines. You're able to get through it and go through it and uh, make your way through those things and you just pop out of it. And eventually this other stuff just uh, burns out or falls out or dies down. And you know what you've gone through and you have survived. And not only that, but you've gotten stronger because you have become prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would like today uh, even talk a little bit along the area of how long as a Christian should you pray? Uh, how long should you pray each day? I want to share a few things uh, today to give insight. But I, 
I was thinking earlier about Charles Finney, the great revivalist, the great evangelist that the Lord used to win a lot of souls in uh, New York and, uh, and in that northern region where he just had a lot of uh, men and women that had no interest in God. All they wanted to do was make money, and uh, he would go there and preach, uh, and people would get saved. But really, it was the prayer engine that would create the anointing that would create the response when the preaching came. And this is something interesting that Charles Finney said. He said, in regard to my own experience, I will say that unless I had the spirit of prayer, I could do nothing. Now that's amazing. And sometimes people say, well, he was a great orator and I'm sure he was, uh, I'm sure he was a great speaker, and, and also when you, when you speak outdoors like that with no, amp, you know, no sound system, you're going to build up quite a voice and, and so forth. But no, it's, it's not that. That's not what is causing people to just say, you know, I, I need to get right with God right now after they would hear him preach. So he's saying in regard to my own experience, unless I had the spirit of prayer, I could do nothing. Wow. If even for a day or an hour, I lost the spirit of grace and supplication, that's the spirit of prayer, I found myself unable to preach with power and efficiency. He said, I also found myself unable to win souls by personal conversation. In this respect, my experience was what it has always been, which was basically, if I don't pray, I don't have any results. Wow, and that is very, very powerful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's talk about this today, because without the spirit of prayer, you're going to have very, very little forward movement in your life concerning your spiritual walk, and also, I know, which is very important to you, concerning the fulfillment of what God has called you to do here on the earth. Praise God. Now, how long, preferably, should a Christian pray? What would the daily minimum be? Well, let's go over the Matthew chapter 26 and take a look at that for a moment and see what Dr. Jesus, the prayer master, the teacher of the prayer seminar had to say. Matthew chapter 26. Let's go to verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. You know, we, it's not like they didn't have a prayer life. We know that they obviously prayed. They've been mentored and taught, trained by Jesus. But my friends, if you're lazy spiritually, you're not going to see the growth that you're wanting to see. And you're only kidding yourself that if you think you can grow and move forward in the plan of God without really uh, getting after it in prayer. Mm -mm. Wow. I do believe that today's message would make a person who's a lazy Christian, lazy in the area of prayer. It would probably make them a little bit uncomfortable. Praise God. I, somebody commented recently on one of my messages and said, uh, pastor Stephen, when you preach, we're going to have to start wearing steel toe, uh, steel toe boots. 
In other words, he's, he's saying you're stepping on our toes. Praise God. Well, would you rather have me tell you the truth and what works according to the word, or should we just uh, play games and sugarcoat everything? And then another decade goes by in your life and nothing has changed and nothing has happened. And before you know it, you get to the end of your life. Now you've run out of time. <laughs> and the next thing is all over. Praise God. Well, we're not going to let that happen. I know that you have a great desire to be all that God, all the potential that God has put in you. You really want to uh, reach that and attain that. And so we're going to, we're going to dig into that today. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Now the word watch doesn't mean just look around and maybe pull out a pair of binoculars and see, well, see who's walking up the mountain. No, he's talking about prayer. Verse 41, watch and pray. In other words, don't just pray and you're kind of out of it. No, pray with focus. Pray and get really dialed in, in, into your prayer and talking to God. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I know that we could all agree with that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friends, I really do believe we are in the final church reformation. We had the first reformation when the church was born well, on the day of Pentecost. And you had this transition from Judaism into Christ, into the church. And then you had the first 400 years of severe persecution against the early church. And eventually the persecutions were lifted. And then there was a time of peace, but very soon things began to fall into decay. And many of the teachings and many of the principles of the early church began to get lost. And so then the church goes into the dark ages. And this was a time when there was not a lot of widespread knowledge of God's word. Now there was still you know, fivefold ministry gifts, you still had your apostles and prophets and others out there doing things. But as far as, uh, you know, knowledge of the word, such as what the apostles were displaying, a lot of that began to get recessed because of what historians called the dark ages. You still had some revivals here and there and things like that. But the word of God even got to a place where it was forbidden and uh, it was, it was held back. And those who did have it, uh, they wanted to keep it from the public. And eventually we had another reformation. You had a man named Martin Luther who came along that said, we're not justified by works. We're justified by faith. So we're saved uh, by the grace of God through faith. Okay. And that's, that gets us in and you're good to go. And Martin Luther actually said that he wanted to make the scriptures as well known to the common person as to the Pope. And of course the Pope wasn't very happy about that. And I have nothing against the Catholic church. I'm just trying to share some insights briefly from church history. And my friends, the truth is, is that in these areas, God wants us to be walking in illumination. And so as we get into this final reformation, you're going to see the church really get back to the meat and potatoes because I don't mind bells and whistles and uh, you know, but we can't, we can't live off smoke machines and we can't live off just nice little sermonette or, or this or that or the other. We have to learn to get back on our knees 
and pray and see God's power demonstrate it. And you'll find out that when you do it that way, that's actually where the true growth is at. That's where not only do we have uh, really authentic salvations, but also really lasting con uh, conversion experiences. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every year, three million people are leaving the Western U.S. church. They walk away and they're not coming back. Okay, so it is time for another reformation. But the good news is this is the final reformation as referred to by uh, the book of Acts chapter 3 verses 19 through 21 when it talks about the restoration of all things. So things that were lost and we had many things be uh, restored right around that second reformation. And then uh, even afterwards it took time to see certain things restored back into the church, the apostolic movement, the prophetic movement and all these other things. But my friends, we're up and running. But now it's time for all things to be restored. And that is why we must really be fervent at this time in prayer. You know, I heard a very good preacher some years back. And it's been, I don't know, maybe over, uh, uh, it's been quite, quite a while now. But he was an uh, uh, excellent preacher. But he said, you know what? He said, I don't even pray an hour. And, uh, you know, very large church here in America. He said, I don't even pray an hour. And it was just, at that time, it was like a different feel in the body of Christ. Everything was more like seeker-sensitive, and let's not offend anybody. Don't, don't tell them what the Bible actually says. Just redirect them. Keep everybody happy. And that, that pastor went on an interview, a very famous, uh, uh, you know, like radio talk show, and he was interviewed. And the interviewer asked him one question. Which was, oh, he asked him a couple of questions that were really good, but one of them he said, Is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? And with people in all over the world listening and millions listening, he, he basically said that he didn't believe that. He didn't believe that. In other words, he, there, there's other ways to get there. There's other ways to get there. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. And I'm not, I'm not belittling him in any way. He later apologized and repented and wrote. A letter asking the church to forgive him because he got caught in a moment when he compromised. But see, here's what happens when you, when you don't really understand the power of prayer and you just think, well, I'm strong. I know the word. I don't need to pray that much. And you walk in the stuff like that. There are traps that are laid that normally you might be able to avoid that trap. But when you're dealing with the prince of the power of the air and you go into a studio like that and you're being interviewed and, and so many people are listening and hearing, then the enemy is going to put phenomenal pressure on, uh, and you can't see that because there's all going on in the spirit realm. And at the same time, if you want people to like you, then you're, then tremendous pressure came. And, uh, he was, he was not direct in answering certain questions, but he did ask for forgiveness. So on we go. But my friends, I cannot uh, overemphasize how important it is that we walk in prayer. And we say, we say, God, lead me away from temptation. Deliver me from the evil because it's real. So God protect me. Amen. But if you just kind of like have a little prayer time and you wrap it all up in just a few minutes, you walk out, uh, you could walk wide open into a trap. That he has laid for you, especially if you're on the front lines as ministers, uh, the traps get very, very cunning and they're very carefully uh, planned. And so these are things we have to be aware. And we know what the scripture says. Jesus said in John 
chapter 14 concerning who makes it to heaven, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to get to heaven, uh, he's the only way, except through me. There is no other way. But see, he did not have the ability to respond with scriptures like that because uh, of, not, of not coming in there with an element of prayer where you're strong. Here's another good scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I felt I needed to share these just in case some of, maybe some watching didn't know this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. No man, no other man has ransomed anybody from sin except for Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only mediator. He's the only person that will allow you to get to heaven, that will allow you to get to God. Praise God. There is no other way. Just in case maybe somebody's watching, listening, and they didn't know that. That is the good old B-I-B-L-E. Praise the Lord. But my friends, you have to pray. And Jesus, when he came to the disciples, they were sleeping. And he said, could you not watch with me one hour? I would suggest from the words of Jesus that your prayer life have at least a minimum of one hour prayer life. Now, it is possible that somebody watching me who could maybe even be a full-grown adult, maybe has been in the church for 20 years, could say, Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. Maybe we'll have to put you over in the spiritual nursery, give you a little binky or something like that. But I'm talking to those that really want to be serious, who are not just here because you're saved and you know you're going to go to heaven. Okay, that's fundamental. That's the ABCs. But even the Apostle Paul said in the book of Hebrews, he said, leaving behind the elementary teachings, let us go on. So if you want to go on and fulfill your calling and run with the horses, this is not about pride or arrogance. This is actually about humility and, and being serious about what God has called you to do. And that is going to demand that that prayer factory be working and be operating and not closed down all the time. Woo. I don't know why. Well, actually I do, but my, sometimes my wife and I will try to visit a few restaurants. You know, we live in small, small uh, county, about uh, population, maybe 50,000 or something like that. And so sometimes we think, well, let's go try that restaurant. And maybe it's like, like Wednesday or like a Friday or something like that, or just like a normal day, you know, like maybe 12 o'clock or one in the afternoon and you go there and it's closed. <laughs> now these are not franchised restaurant. These are like mom pop type little places, you know, here or there. And you think, now why are they closed again? And you know, you're like, well, here we are. We drove over here to spend money and it's like two o'clock Tuesday afternoon and you're closed. <laughs> it's like, don't you want to make money? So it's like that spiritually. Don't you want to succeed? Don't you want to fulfill your purpose and destiny. Why are you closed all the time? So it's like the prayer factory. Why is the factory shut down again? 
How many days are you going to go without praying? It's not condemnation. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with making the heaven. You're justified by grace whether you pray uh, uh, one minute or ten hours. That's not, the, that's not the issue. This is not about works or legalism. This is simply about fulfilling God's plan and stepping into the fullness fullness. How can a business succeed and reach its peak when it's closed most of the time? Mm -mm. How can a person who's running a little kiosk ever have their own store when the kiosk, they're hardly ever there. And you go there to buy something and there it is closed again. Now, how are they ever going to have their own business? <clears throat> which would be a hundred times larger, such as having their own store when they can't even be faithful in that. Wow. Praise the Lord. So let's consider these things. Praise God. Let's go to Genesis chapter five, just for a moment. I was in a meeting in California one time, my wife and I were there. And the team from Brownsville Revival came out. You know, all the revivalists, you know, Steve Hill and uh, uh, all, all the guys that God was using during what was known as the Pensacola Revival or Brownsville Revival. Uh, the, I think they called it the Brownsville Revival primarily. Anyhow, so uh, they come out to Southern California with a, with a heart and an attempt to take that anointing that was there and see it catch fire out on the West Coast. Well, they came out and... The, the spiritual climate wasn't the same. And I remember that one of the, one of the ministers from Florida was trying to ignite the spirit of prayer in the people. And one lady raised her hand. I know who she was because she's one of the elders wives of that church. And one of the ladies raises her hand and she's just, uh, you know, she's maybe 40 years old. And, uh, and she said, you know, you're talking about all this seeking God and all of this. And she said, now, how are we, how are we supposed to do this when we're working a full-time job? And the minister said, well, you know, it's different with everybody. He said, I don't know. He said, perhaps with you, perhaps you could start with, you know, examining how much time you spend watching television. She got real quiet, sat back down. But um, we have to understand that if this is something that we want, then God uh, will take us into it, but we must also be willing to conform so that we can unite with that spirit of prayer. And that, that's why I think we should look just for a moment, uh, very quickly at Enoch. Enoch is found in Genesis chapter five, verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Oh, he had a son. Yes, he had children and he begot Methuselah. Uh, excuse me, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So he walked with God consistently. Notice this is a consistent, deep walk with God. Anytime you think of Enoch, you think of the man that got so close to God in his personal walk that God just said, I'm taking him. <laughs> and he took him off the planet alive. Praise God. So he's walking around in heaven right now, still with a physical body like you and I have. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. And so he walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So here's the thing. How, how did he do it? How did he juggle marriage, family, children, and all of this stuff and still, and still somehow maintain this walk? You just have to want it. 
And if you really want it, you'll, you'll find a way to make it happen. So we must eliminate these, these things where some people say, an hour, who a prayer, oh, oh, Lord have mercy. No, it's elementary. That's beginning level. That's beginning level. Now, the reason I have to sometimes talk about my personal prayer life or share these examples is because if you don't hear this, you don't know that there are hundreds of thousands, millions who are actually doing this. And so you could be in a bubble. You could be in a vacuum where in your ecosystem, nobody maybe within a 20 mile radius prays more than five minutes a week. And so you think, you think that's normal, but again, this is, this is very interesting. What has always been the price tag for greatness? I know sometimes it's like a recipe, right? The secret sauce, but it's one of the big recipe things on the, on that list. It's at the top. What is consistently one of the things that you must have in order to have greatness, exposure, exposure. And if you live in a little bitty bubble, if you're stuck in a dead denomination where the preacher doesn't even pray, then you think an hour of prayer. Oh my Lord. Wow. If we do that, maybe we're all going to get translated. Uh, no, you're probably not going to get translated with an hour of prayer, but I'll tell you what, it will begin to transform your life. So I have to share these things. Not that I would ever try to cast myself as being spiritual. I just have to share this because that's how I found out because others talked about it. <laughs> I thought, well, wait a minute. They're praying that much. Yeah, that's what they're doing over there. Well, praise the Lord. All right. All right. Hallelujah. In other words, if you are in athletics and these other other teams or other individuals are exceeding you or excelling you in strength or speed or whatever it is you're competing in. The big question is, what are they doing? And that's what happened for decades in track and field in the area of distance running. Why are the East Africans just obliterating all the competition? Why is it that the Kenyans are winning everything from 1500 meters up and nobody can compete with them? What's the secret sauce? Well, how do they figure it out? Well, a bunch of American guys finally just said, well, let's just go over there and live there for a half a year and train with them. <laughs> right? Oh, then you find out also, oh, this is how many miles they're running a week. And this is the structure of their routine. And then, it, oh, okay. So they're, they're training at altitude and this is what they're eating. You begin to put it all together and they're like, oh, so that's how they're doing it. Yep. That's the price tag they're paying. And if you don't have exposure, you stay in the dark. And you think everybody else is praying 10 minutes a day. And if you pray 20, those are the prayer champions. My friends, I'm just telling you that there are higher heights to climb. Don't camp at the bottom of the mountain. Mm -mm. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. I could share some more. I could share some more. But sometimes I think it's. Uh, it, it jolts people and they, and they uh, especially in America, it jolts them and they think, Oh, Oh Lord. I, you know, but I'm talking about revival. See in your life, the spirit of God moving in power in your life, in your business, in your career, your ministry, or whatever it might be that God has told you to put your hands to that he will bless. I'm saying you just dive in there and, and, and just cover that completely in prayer and you'll begin to go up, up, up. Praise God. Now, Psalm 80. Psalm 80. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're talking today about the spirit of prayer. Remember, Finney 
one of the greatest evangelists of all times said if he stops praying, he has no power. He has no some type of inherent power. No, he has none. It's all coming from the Holy Spirit. And if you stop praying, uh, it's over with right then. Praise the Lord. Psalm 80, verse 18. Now get ready for this one. This, for some of you, is going to be a revelation that's really going to help you. Verse 18. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Now, I like the King James Version a little bit better. It says, quicken us, although revive us is good too. In other words, revive us, and we will call upon your name. In other words, revive us, and we'll pray, or quicken us, and we will pray. The Hebrew literally means give us life. In other words, give us life, and then we can pray. So what is this life? What is this quickening? It's the anointing to pray. There is a spirit of prayer, and that's what we're talking about today. And without the spirit of prayer, your prayer life can be just as dead and flat as a pancake, literally. It's amazing. It's amazing. And sometimes you can say, wow, there's no lift. You're right. That's because the spirit of prayer is not there. But you can press and press, and then you can get into a place where the spirit of prayer begins to come upon you. And if you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, that spirit of prayer will stay on you. And then you can be like Enoch and just walk with it and just sustain it. Now, we know it's challenging. Because even, remember, the great evangelist Charles Finney said, if I lose the spirit of prayer, I can't win souls. I have no power in my ability to preach or, or convey Christ to people where they receive Christ. Nothing happens. Well, why would he lose it? Well, the same reason anybody could. Yet you have distractions. You have things competing for your attention. But it's essential that we stay in that anointing, that we walk in the spirit of prayer. And if you do, if you stay steady in it, it will lead you into what I call the Jesus life. Woo! And then it starts getting real interesting. <laughs> real interesting. Wow. Now, I'm going to show you a verse in just a moment, but I want you to understand there is a spirit of prayer. There is a quickening to pray, and when you ride that quickening, you can, you can go. You can, just, you, can, you, can start, you can start praying. You can catch that, and you can start going up like an eagle. Praise the Lord. And a lot of things will start to happen with that rising that, that prayer rising that takes place in your life. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, what does it lead to, Pastor Stephen, with the Jesus life? It leads to Luke chapter 6. And remember, you can walk in this also. That's why we're talking about these things today. Luke chapter 6. Let's go to verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now this is what Jesus would do. Watch this. He would teach in the mornings. And then what do people do after that? They do the same thing 
that you do that go to work, <laughs> right? So he would teach early in the morning. They would listen to the incredible teaching, and then they would do just like you do. Then they go to work, okay? And then at nighttime, Jesus does what? He would often go to the Mount of Olives. Often they would stay there. They would sleep there. And sometimes he would pray all night long. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I would like for you just for a moment to, in your mind's eye, review back over your life for a moment and stop and think, have you ever pulled an all-nighter before? at a party? Have you ever stayed up all night, maybe at a party, having fun, going wild, maybe before you, Jesus, or something like that? Did you ever spend all night in the casino? You know that there's no window, so you can't see outside, so you lose the orientation that it's nighttime, and just hours go by, and of course, that's why people spend all their money, and you know, before they know it, they've spent the whole night there, and they spend all their money, but it's designed to do that. But maybe you've spent an all-nighter, at a place like that. Or maybe you had some type of other event and you spent the whole night there. But even if you didn't spend all night somewhere, how many times have you stayed up till one o'clock doing something that did not have God in it? How many times did you stay up till two or three, maybe at a bar before you knew Christ, or maybe at a nightclub, or you, you, you're out late as they say partying or whatever the case might be. Well, yes, Pastor Stephen, now examine right now in your mind's eye, those past experiences. Was it just a one-time rare event? Or could you say, yeah, I stayed up after midnight on quite a few occasions. Maybe you even did it for a good cause. Maybe you actually worked all night. And uh, I know what that was like. There were times I would be working. And if I was working at the evening shift, sometimes they said, well, it's 11 o'clock. Uh, uh, you can go home if you want, but we got too much work still left. And if you want, you can work all night. And there were times when that was available, I would, you know, yeah, just work all night long and uh, work to that next shift came around and go home and go to sleep. Praise God. And it felt good. But yeah, I would stay up all night doing something like that. But what about what about Luke chapter 6, verse 12, where it says that he continued all night in prayer to God? Oh, oh, oh no, Pastor Stephen, that, that, that's different. That's different from partying. Uh, 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 that's different from work. Oh, I, I, I can never do that. Why? Why not? If the spirit of the world could ride on you, or even the, a good anointing like the spirit of work could ride on you, and you just knock it out, boom, just knock it out, boom, why cannot the spirit of prayer carry you? I'm here, I'm here today to tell you with great confidence that it could. And even if you're not even sure if you could ever go all night, how about till 2? How about till 1.30 or something like that? What about on a Friday night when you don't have to get up perhaps and work on the weekend? Maybe you're off on the weekend. And maybe you want to experiment with this because, well, yeah, you think I'm off on Saturday. Why not go for it on Friday night? Woo. And let the spirit of prayer touch you. Mm -mm -mm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know, you don't have to look at it as something like, oh, I, I don't know. You know, no, no, just give it a try. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. You know, I was, I was praying one time and I was, uh, I'd started, you know, like, a, like around eight, eight o'clock something. And then I got to about four o'clock in the morning and I got, I got real tired and I said, Lord, um, 
I, I want I want to keep going because that that anointing is here. But I said, I'm getting real. I'm getting real weak. <laughs> and the Lord said, well, he said, treat it like a job. He said, take a work. He said, take a lunch break. I would say, well, Lord, that's a wonderful idea. So I just stopped. And I went over to uh, uh, the refrigerator because I was praying down here at the ministry property and uh, got a little something to eat. I took a 30 minute lunch break, got a little something to eat, got something to drink, and I felt great. And right back to it and just kept going, just kept going after that. Praise God. So just look at it like that. Enjoy it and uh, just see how far your duration will take you. And you can build. You can build stamina. You can build endurance. Praise the Lord. Pastor Steve and I used to party all night long. Good. We, that's just the kind of person we want. Because there's something in you now that can also pray all night long. Mm, mm, mm. Woo. Praise God. Amen. Look, look, look. Don't let, don't, don't let the Lord see that you were more devoted as a sinner than you are now devoted as a saint. Pastor, Pastor Steve, I served the devil with a great fervor. I served the devil with a great efficiency. Good. I sure hope that now you're over here serving God. You can show the devil up. I'm sure that, that now you're over here serving God. You're going to show God how you can throw down too. Mm-hmm. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. Now look, my friends, it's an investment it is an investment into the Holy Spirit working in your life when you pray long. Mm. I'm talking about the spirit of prayer, but I'm slipping this in intentionally now that the spirit of prayer is not there to pray five minutes. Woo! The spirit of prayer is there to pray long. And that is where the gold mine is at. Praise God. Because when you pray long, then what will happen is that you will begin to hear from God. What will happen is that the gifts of the spirit will begin to pop out of you. They'll start manifesting in you to each one. The Holy spirit gave individually as he chose, as he willed. So he's chosen something for you and he will give you I can't say that, you know, he's going to give you them all, but I will say he will give you something. Praise the Lord. But all of this comes out of these powerful times of prayer. Now, this is very important. Second Corinthians chapter three. Let's turn over there just for a moment. Just for a moment. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're on the move this morning to verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some translations say there is freedom. But my friends, in the Greek, that word liberty and freedom also means access. It conveys the meaning of the word access. So this is what happens when you're allowing the Holy Spirit, the spirit of prayer to come on you and you begin to pray. And I'm talking about you start to pray long. You start getting out there. What happens is that you are carried into a place of access. Woo. Praise God. What do you mean? Pastor Stephen. What I mean is that the spirit of prayer gets you into a place where the realities of God's word 
become real in your life. And it's no longer ink on paper. It's no longer history lessons. It's no longer, well, he or she has a testimony, but I can't say I've had that, uh, had it valid happen in my life. No, no. You come into the reality of it yourself. That's how you get there through the spirit of prayer. Can you say amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Whatever good thing that you will step into tomorrow is tied, listen to me, it's tied to your ability to access it today. Okay, so there's things you're going to step into. You're going to come into them. But that is connected to your ability to get access into it, the freedom and liberty to get into it today. God's not holding you back. You have the access, but you must take it. Praise God. So, I'm here today to encourage you to explore the incredible potential in prayer, to see prayers answered, and to see these potentials become reality in your life, such as hearing from God, such as gifts of the Spirit, such as a walk with God like Enoch had. What's that like? Well, step into it. Amen. Step into it and experience it. Amen. So that you can taste and have an understanding of that reality yourself. Mm, praise God. I was encouraged years back when I had a hunger to explore these areas more. Well, Pastor Stephen, how'd you get encouraged? Exposure, reading others, others at the forefront. What are they doing? How? Okay, so this one's having visions and all that. What's going on? What's fueling that? I want to know. One minister uh, shared his testimony of how uh, he was a pastor, and he, he got his associate pastor to go with him. And they locked themselves into the church uh, during the weekday for three days. And they fasted and prayed and did nothing but drink water and pray in tongues nonstop for 72 hours. Three days, day and night, doing nothing but praying in tongues. Why? Uh, an experiment <laughs> just to go for it, get close to God, push it. Hallelujah. Not that you're trying to make something happen. We're never trying to do that because if we do that, then the devil uh, can honor that and fabricate something and appear as a angel of light and bring deceit. So we're not trying to go on a vision quest. Okay. Like the native American Indians would do, you know, and cut yourself with a knife and draw blood and, and smoke marijuana and try to have a vision quest. No, no, no. We're not trying to push something or do something vulgar or vile. We're just after God. But in that pursuit, we want to explore. That means let's push, let's push a little bit. So he and his associate went to the church, fasted and prayed for three days and nights, drank water, and just talked in tongues. And by the way, he said, you'll drink a lot of water when you do this, <laughs> and, you know, but just talking in tongues. And of course, they didn't stay up the entire time. They got tired physically at times, but just lay down. Rest a little so that you've got enough, so that you have enough energy. Get back up and just keep going because they're trying to like, like push this and, and just give God as much devotion and uh, prayer as they possibly can. Well, the 72 hours came to an end and it so happened that it ended at six o'clock in the morning. They started at six in the morning. Three days later, they've completed it at six o'clock in the morning. 
And so it's sunrise there in that Asian country where they live. And so the sun was just coming up. So they walk outside of the doors for the first time. They haven't seen outside. They haven't seen daylight or nighttime. They've been inside, all windows closed, everything. So they walk outside for the first time in three days. And when they walk out, although the sun is coming up, the world was in complete darkness. And they, they both saw in the spirit realm and that they saw that the world, just like the Bible says, is in spiritual darkness. And they could see, even through this spiritual darkness, shafts of light at six in the morning shooting up throughout various places of the city. Shafts of light shooting from heaven, excuse me, from earth all the way up in the heaven. And the pastor said, Lord, what, what are these shafts of light going up all over the place? He said, those are the saints having their morning prayer time. Mm, 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 mm. Glory to God. See what happens. What happens is that you get access into what? Spiritual realities. How do you get in there? Through prayer. Long prayer. Now, I'm not saying three days. For some, that would be like the equivalent trying to go out and run a marathon tomorrow. But I am saying that this is an area that you can explore and push further into and knowing that many of your brothers and sisters all over the world are also doing the same thing. Not everybody is spiritually lazy. You may be in an area where nobody's really into God or has a passion for God. That doesn't mean that that has to mark you. You can have your own personal revival. You can have your own prayer altar, praise God, and you can have your own thing going on with you and God where the blessings are coming down. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so this is what the Lord by his spirit is wanting you to come in through, uh, into through the spirit of prayer. There's a, it's a quickening. It's a quickening. Hallelujah. Not to go out and get drunk, not to go out and smoke something. Hallelujah. It's a quickening to pray. Hallelujah. Look, you're, you're never going to live a holy life without prayer. It's impossible. It's impossible. You could have good intentions, but unless you are a man or woman of prayer, hallelujah, these other things will hit. And just like Jesus said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But my friends, my friends, when you begin to pray and get into the spirit of prayer, that stuff just falls off. It falls off so fast. And then once you're up, oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Then you can have some fun. It's almost like payback time. <laughs> it's like, devil, you gave me such a hard time and it pushed me down. Uh, you're like a big bully, pushed me down. But now that I'm up, I'm going to have some fun and freedom. Hallelujah. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to bring a bunch of people to heaven with me, as many as I can. Even if it's one or two, I'm, I'm just going to live for the Lord, whatever the case is. Amen. I'm going to be everything that God has made me to be. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. You know, uh, Oral Roberts, when he started ORU, Oral Roberts University, the first thing he built was not a library. It was not an administrative center. The first thing he built was the prayer tower. And he told uh, Prophet Kenneth Copeland that when you establish your ministry headquarters, the first thing that must be established is the prayer center. Praise God. Amen. Now, on our new ministry property, the 14 0.5 acres that we have right next to the airport. When we put that road, the new road into the property, the first structure that will be established 
It's not going to be the TV studio. It's not going to be a building. It will be the prayer altar. And it will be there available for anyone to come and pray. If you're a ministry partner, you love this ministry, you can come day or night and you can pray. It will be an area, a special area set apart just for that use. Amen. We actually we already have it marked off. And it's, uh, it's in the woods. The road will go to it. It's going to be beautiful. But that is where the engine or the factory of the ministry, the power producing factory is located at. Because you'll find me out there often as well. Praise God. I must confess that this ministry is built on prayer. I, I, I sat down in a chair one time to get my hair cut here locally. And uh, the, the hair stylist she was the daughter of a pastor and when I sat in the chair uh, even before telling her who I was or what I did she looked at me and she said oh she said you have preacher's hair and I said well that's interesting I am a preacher she said I could tell it just by your hair <laughs> look look my friends it's not the hair, okay? I could get a bouffant. I could make myself look like Moses in the Ten Commandment movie back, back from the 1950s or 30s whenever they made the movie. Um, uh, I think maybe she was seeing something of the anointing or something like that. That, that. That's fine. But you and I know I could grow my hair longer than Samson. That is not going to move this ministry forward. And that's not what's empowering this ministry that allows us to reach every week over 1 billion potential households that satellite and television stations are beaming our television program to. No, it's running by prayer. Praise God. It's running by prayer. Yes, we're obeying the word. Yes, we're tithers. And yes, we're givers. And yes, we sow and we work the word. But my friends, we are praying. Woo! Are we ever? We're praying. And because of those prayers, we are moving forward by the grace of God. This ministry is built on prayer. And no ministry grows without there being an effective prayer altar that is established. And you need to have that in your life as well. Praise God. If you don't fan the fire of the prayer flame, the fire will go out. And any ministry that stops praying is on the way down. And then you become archaic. And then you become old. And then you become stiff and rigid. And then eventually Ichabod is written over the door. The glory has departed. Oh, may the Lord have mercy. Praise God. My friends, be aware that if your prayer life ever goes down, your spirituality will go down. You may be like the train if while it's rolling down the tracks and the engine goes off. It's going to keep rolling just by natural momentum for a little while. But the moment that engine stops, it, the end has already begun. You must continue to fan the fires of prayer. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And let me say as I begin the close, that the call to walk in the spirit of prayer, this is not just for like old grandmothers, you know, who pray at night and stuff like that. You know, the uh, romanticized version of prayer intercessors, you know, perhaps just old ladies with white hair. No, no. Hallelujah. It's for any believer. Praise God. It's like the priesthood. The priesthood is, is for all believers because we're in Christ. We have been made priests and kings unto the Lord our God. That is new covenant 
theology. Amen. Praise God. But in the same way, we can all walk in the spirit of prayer, and that includes young people as well. That is why the scripture found in the book of Lamentations, which is really a lament over a dying city, a city judged by God. Why? They stopped praying, got away from God, got in the sin, got in the idolatry, and got the big mess. Don't ever lose your prayer life. Fan it. Turn it into flaming fire, praise God, because we are in the third and final reformation, a time where all things are being restored back to the church, back into your life. You must be highly active in prayer. You must pray long. I want to encourage you to pray long. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 27. It is good. It's not bad. It is good for a man to bear the yoke when in his youth. Praise the Lord. You don't have to be 65 before you finally get uh, uh, a heart to really go after the Lord. Matter of fact, the rabbis have always taught over the centuries that by the time you turn 70, it's begin to, it, that means that's the time you must begin to devote yourself to the study of Torah, devote yourself to preparing yourself to stand before God because you're not going to live forever. Either Christ is going to come back and we skip the grave entirely, or if the Lord should tarry, then uh, eventually our lives will end from the physical perspective. And my friends, the next thing you know, you go to be with the Lord, but you want to be ready. You want to be ready. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's some people in their 80s still goofing off, drinking alcohol and acting silly and, uh, and, not, and not praying. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Don't they realize that at any moment they could go to be with the Lord? And then suddenly how important are all those things that were still engulfing them at that stage of life? Oh, praise the Lord. Again, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Praise God. Catch on fire right now. Young people, teenagers, even those that are preteen, give yourself a heart to prayer, to walk with God in your youth. Bear that yoke. I can't say that others are going to say, oh, that's wonderful. We'll join with you. It could, it could be that it's a lonely yoke, but it could, could also be, though, that there are others that God sends. Maybe not a whole bunch, but a few where you take it together and you say, let's carry this thing and let's come into the presence of God and let's pray the power down. Praise God. Amen. Let's give ourselves to revival. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's seek God. Let's not live normal lives. We're at the end of the age. Let's go all out for God. Mm -hmm. Don't lose the spirit of prayer and fall in love with the world. And now suddenly you've lost that sacredness and that beautiful uh, walk with God like Enoch had. And now you're over here all caught up in something silly. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Glory, glory to God. When you get to heaven, you'll have plenty of time to go fishing in your bass boat. When you get to heaven, you'll have plenty. You'll have all eternity. Grasp that concept. You'll have all eternity to play golf. You'll have forever millions and millions and millions of years to play golf. And I'm not saying you can't have fun. You can't have recreation. You can't do those things. You can't fish or can't play golf. But I'm saying some people, it's just like consumes them. I'm talking about Christians. And when they, it so is in them that when they go to church or if you see them, they, they start talking about the, the football game and they start talking about the fish they caught. Why? That's what they're full of. Amen. 
But the spirit of prayer, I'm telling you, you want to lay hands on people and there'll be a release of power. Amen. You have to have the spirit of prayer. You have to have the spirit of prayer. Praise God. Lift your hands right now. Father, I pray for your people that want the spirit of prayer. Let it come on them now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. The fire is burning. <laughs> Let them just go right now and start. I thank you, Father God, right now. I thank you, Father, that in sports, sometimes when we try to move up too quick, we could get injuries. We could get, if we try to run too many miles, we get shin splints, or maybe we get tennis elbow, whatever it might be. But I thank you, Father, in this area of spiritual advancement, that we can move rapidly. It's not like we have to wait a year before we could move. I thank you, Father, let your people go now and begin to ascend now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of grace flowing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ, Jesus, who is the only way to heaven, if you don't know him, you can get your life right with God right now. I want you to call upon Jesus. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. So, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, I give my life fully to you. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise God and amen. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. You know, this also, these longer times of prayer is also why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, prayed in the Spirit. Praise God. Because eventually in English, you're going you're gonna to have that all covered in your native language. So that's why you want to be able to get over into the Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's grab our communion today and take communion together. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. We're moving towards Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Glory to God. Make sure as we receive Holy Communion that you have no bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone. We want to be right with the Lord in every way. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I love the fall feast for me and Pastor Kelly. It's our favorite time of the year. We love the fall and we love the fall feast, the day of trumpets and the feast of tabernacles and especially Yom Kippur. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you when we look at it, we we still see grape juice. We, we see a little piece of bread. But we thank you, Father, that this, this is the body and the blood of Christ veiled now in the form of bread and juice. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you that the spirit of prayer is upon us. And we thank you just for permission, freedom, access to go for it. And we thank you, Father God, for realities of kingdom life being unveiled to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body.
I look forward to hearing the testimonies of many of you as you share amazing things that God has done for you and will do for you as you draw near to Him. Praise God. Father, thank You for the blood of Jesus, His mighty cleansing power. Father, as we thank You for forgiveness, we also forgive anybody, anyone who sinned against us. We bless them, we forgive them, and we move on with You. We thank You for Your grace, Your goodness. Father, thank You for Jesus, who is our High Priest, who paid the full price for our sins. We thank You that we are free and that we are clean forever through that price. We thank You that Jesus paid. We thank You, Father, that the blood is cleansing. And any time we, we make a mistake or we blow it, we thank You that we can come before You and seek forgiveness and the blood continues to flow. We thank You, O God, for the work of Jesus in our lives. We thank You, Father. We now receive His blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, we want to do what? We want to be hearers and doers of the Word of God. So we have heard about the spirit of prayer. Now, I want to encourage you to go and be a doer. Amen. Let the spirit of prayer work with you, which will enable you to do what? Pray longer. I want to encourage you to pray long. Go for it. And the Lord goes with you. Thank you for watching. Thank you also for your special Yom Kippur debt freedom seed. I'm praying over your giving as it comes in, believing with you for complete deliverance by through God's power from debt. God bless you. See you back real soon. Bye-bye.